This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, episode number 60. I can't believe we are at 60 already, but thanks to the people for listening. We've gotten to episode 60, and we're going to go way beyond 60. We're doing this one on Thursday, March the 9th, brought to us by the great people at Bet Rivers. Let me tell you about this great contest we have going on now. We're getting a lot of winners. It's called Mike Missanelli's Pickadelphia. It is sponsored by Bet Rivers. Here's the way it works. It's a weekly contest, a weekly contest, and it'll go through March Madness, which is right about upon us here. And, and it'll, it'll involve Philadelphia area teams, basketball, hockey. I'm talking pro, and I'm talking uh, amateur, um, and, and Sixers, Flyers. Uh, Villanova Temple, Penn State Rutgers, Drexel Penn, as well as uh, potentially any Philly athletes that are competing in individual sports. Prizes $100 weekly, $100 gift card, and would increase as more people participate. And here's how you access it. You just go uh, to Bet Rivers for free. Bet Rivers, the number four, free.com. And uh, you can just enter it for free. It's a free contest, and you can win 100 bucks. There's no reason for you not to enter. It doesn't cost you a penny. It's Mike Missanelli's Pick Adelphia. All right, so, folks, if you listened to our last podcast, thanks uh, to Stephen A. Smith for coming on. I thought it was a really revealing interview, Stephen. Uh, Stephen kind of bared his soul a little bit. I, I don't know if people got the, a different impression of him. He's got a love-hate relationship with a lot of people. A lot of people hate him. I saw on social media when uh, I introduced that we were interviewing Stephen A. Smith that a lot of people love him. So uh, here's what I would say. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It may change your mind. It may not. But I thought it was insightful. And, uh, you know, this guy, whatever you want to say about him, this guy ha- has managed to make himself a monster success. And it ain't easy to make yourself a national monster success. So thanks for Stephen A. for coming on. We really appreciate it. All right, let's start today's podcast. We're going to go all over the place today. No guests today. It's just kind of Mike Missanelli talking to you, the folks, like we did in the old day. All right, so let's start with football because, uh, you know, we just had the combine. And, uh, of course, we all uh, paid attention to the times and, and – uh, who will make it pick the quarterback uh, situation there where four quarterbacks may, may go in the top seven. They probably will. But let's look at the, what the Eagles did with 
No franchise tags on any of the free agents. Now, they have a lot of free agents. And uh, first of all, the trend around the league is very few teams that are willing to put that franchise tag out there anymore. It has decreased considerably. Uh, and it's not because they're gonna, they are they think they're going to hurt players' feelings. That's the last thing teams think about. It's all salary cap related. They don't want to commit to that big number, which is the average salary they would have to pay a guy to make a franchise tag, uh, and they'd rather uh, exp- explore their cap without being burdened. So that's the reason. So the Eagles weren't in on anybody, which means they weren't willing to give the franchise tag to Miles Sanders, and that would have cost them $10-plus million. So Miles is probably going to get more somewhere else. Uh, Hargrave was probably going to cost him $18 million. They're going to franchise him for that. C.J. Garner-Johnson, debatable, but maybe $12 million contract. They weren't in on that. And uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, those guys are not getting franchise tags because they can't commit that kind of cash to those kind of players. Now, does it mean that these players won't be back? Not necessarily. Uh, if they can find a way, I think C.J. Garner has to be back, and I think Hargrave has to be back. I think both of those guys will get favorable deals, not the $18 million deal that they would have had to pay in a franchise tag, which means that Cox and Brandon Graham, if they are willing to take peanuts – might be an option. Now, I'm thinking that Cox is probably gone, but Brandon Graham will take peanuts and provide some debt at, at the uh, the outside end rushing spot. But we'll see how that happens. Uh, so they they decided to, to take a shot, that they could sign those two guys, Hargrave, C.J. Gardner, Johnson, to me the most important. Bradbury was going to cost them a ton also, so they're out on him, didn't make him a franchise guy. If you look around the league, were two major franchise guys. They were both running backs. And running backs are really interesting because it's kind of worth it to give a running back a franchise tag. You got it for one year because you never know when those guys are going to blow out. Rather than give them a multiple deal, you figure it out later. So Josh Jacobs, who the Raiders can't do without, got a franchise tag at 10-something million. And so did Saquon Barkley, which is a great move for the Giants. You, you had to preserve Saquon Barkley. Now, let's move into the quarterback realm here. Um, with Barkley... They had to keep Daniel Jones, and there was all this uh, notion they were going to franchise Daniel Jones. They wanted to get him under a deal, and they finally got him under a deal. So let's look at the quarterbacks that signed here. Daniel Jones winds up getting $45 million a year. All right? Now, most people, that sounds ridiculous. It happens to be to go great. Now, your solution to that is not have uh, uh, Daniel Jones. Then what? Then what, then what do you do? You get some... Some schmo backup to quarterback your team, and you think you're going to be good next year. You got the new coach. He was the coach of the year. The Giants made some some moves. So you had Daniel Jones really put your back against the wall. You had to sign him, and you had to sign him at that price, forty five million. That's the going rate for a guy like Daniel Jones. Now Hertz is going to be fifty million, but we'll get to that uh, when it, when we get to it. Uh, Derek Carr, he signs the Saints. He got forty million, uh, and now we go to Geno Smith. Now, if you were to tell me 10 years ago that Geno Smith would be a guy who would eventually make $35 million as a starting quarterback in the league, I would think you're crazy. But this is how wacky sports is. A guy like Geno Smith makes himself indispensable to a team that looks like they're on the come. So what would their, their solution be? These teams have no choice but to sign these quarterbacks. And all around, I hear from people, this is ridiculous. The way they're paying quarterbacks. And I go, put your calendar in front of you. What's it say? It says 2023. It's what it is today. The quarterback makes all of the money. 
and you can't afford not to have a starting quarterback. You can't afford now to go to a backup guy, cross your fingers, or draft a guy and throw him in there and think you're going to do something. This doesn't, doesn't work like that. All right, so there you go. Now we get to the main quarterback issue. The curious case of Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar Jackson has decided to represent himself, which I think is uh, it, it's it's like contract suicide. He wants the same deal as Deshaun Watson. Um, the Ravens aren't willing to go there. Nobody's willing to go there. That was the outlier contract. Nobody is willing to guarantee that kind of money anymore. They're just not going to do it. Uh, so they made a smart move, the Ravens. So let's, so let's dice this up here as I put my, my sports law hat on. The non-exclusive franchise tag. I don't even know why this is in existence because it seems like a no-brainer to always go to the non-exclusive franchise tag as opposed to the franchise tag in general, which is the, that commits the team to the certain price. So the non-exclusive franchise tag means that he now can go out and make a deal with anybody. Uh, and he, he needs to find a team that's going to give him an offer, which he then has to take back to the Ravens, and they can decide to do one of two things. Well, actually, one of three things. They can decide to match the contract. They can decide to say, no, 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 we're not going to match the contract. And and, and if they don't match the, con- match the contract, they get two first-round draft picks from the team that signs them. Uh, now, so let's 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 get heavy into this here. Basically, what the Ravens are doing, they're letting a third party determine his wealth. And uh, they're gambling that because no one wants to give it to Sean Watson uh, contract and their salary caps are all messed up if they sign a quarterback at this point, and they have to formulate their team before they even get to thinking about how much they're going to put out for a quarterback. It's prohibitive then for most teams – to go out there and give him an offer. And in fact, a lot of teams have come out the first day and said, we're out. We're, we're, not, we're not into the, the Lamar Jackson bidding war, right? So I don't know what kind of offer he's going to bring back to the Ravens, but it was really smart that the Ravens would do this. So go ahead, determine your value, because we know, because we're the experts, and you're acting as your own agent, that the money you think is going to be out there for you is not going to be out there. So whatever offer you get, Hell, we can match that because it's not going to be a Deshaun Watson uh, uh, contract. However, if it is, and if it's overly prohibitive, the Ravens have now put themselves in the corner by saying that, okay, this is a starting all-pro quarterback, and we only got two first-round draft picks for him. Let's look at what what they got for Deshaun Watson. They got first-round pick last year, 2022. They got a first-round pick in 2023. The Texans, uh, the Houston Texans I'm talking about. They got a first-round pick in 2024. They got a third-round pick last year out of that deal. And they get a fourth-rounder in 2024. That's five draft picks they got for that Deshaun Watson deal, as opposed to what the Ravens would get now if there's a deal they won't match. They only get two first-round draft picks. So this is what you got to figure out when you're running a team. They obviously think that Lamar Jackson is not going to come back with a bombastic offer and they can match it. That's what they're thinking. And on all this negotiation, all this no, 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 and not accepting what you're offering, eventually Mark Jackson's going to say, well, guess what? I guess I have to accept what you were offering. That's what they do to these players. That's why I always side with the player. All right? So there you go. That's uh, the curious case of Lamar Jackson, and uh, that's our football discussion for today. All right, let's move on now to the Sixers. 
Um, they're surprising me. I got to say, uh, I'm feeling a little down on myself for doubting the Sixers at this point. They were going to go on that five-game road trip with a couple back-to-backs in there. I didn't think they were going to play as well or rebound as well. They wound up going 4-1 and one on the road trip with James Harden playing out of his mind. All right? He, he scores 38 one day. He doesn't score next to me. It's 20 assists. And he takes the day off, and they win again without him. It's pretty amazing. But let me caution you here. The Sixers are now only two games out of second place. The Boston Celtics are fading a little bit. Now, you might think that's a good thing. I don't know if it is. Because if they catch the Boston Celtics, they pass the Boston Celtics, they get the second seed. They're not going to get the first seed. They're four games behind the Milwaukee Bucks. So gaining four games in the Bucks is probably going to be impossible. But if they get ahead of the Boston Celtics, they now are the two seed. As the two seed, Darren, I will bring you in for this. As the two seed... They would play the Heat. If they stay the third seed, they would play the Nets. Now, what series is easier for them to win? Uh, much easier. I mean, I, look, I think they beat anybody. I think they beat the Heat as well in a, in a, in a seven-game series. But uh, the Nets are far easier. All right, so uh, that's all I'll, I'll say about them. Right now, they're, they're kind of in a holding pattern. Either series, the first-round series, is going to win, okay? So it, it really doesn't matter. It's the second series where they have to play one of those two teams which is going to really determine the fate of Philadelphia basketball. Because if they lose again in that round, I don't know what they could do with this team. Because uh, then you're facing an exodus maybe with Harden, and then you have to rebuild all over again and the, and the whole bit. Uh, all right, one other thing on the Sixers. It's really interesting that people uh, latch on to a player who gets traded from here. And the latest one for that is Matisse Thybul. Now, I've been reading all kinds of stuff on <laughs> on social media about how what a mistake it was to get rid of Thybul because, uh, oh, by God, he made a couple three-point shots with Portland. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me explain something to you here. Matisse Thybul's been in the league, what, three, four years now? If you've been in the league three, four years as a perimeter player and you still – can't shoot a jump shot, and you still can't put the ball on the floor to get somewhere to a spot to shoot it or to get to the basket, what good are you in the NBA? I want to ask these people this. I like them too. He seems to be a good kid. My daughter ran into him all the time in a coffee shop in Northern Liberties where he's sitting there reading a book. He's an intellectual. He's different. I like it. But he can't play. He can't shoot. He can't put it on the floor. Now, I, I got to ask you this question. If I'm an NBA player and I'm in the league and uh, they go, hey, here's what you got to do in the offseason. And you got to come back as A, a better shooter, B, a better player off the bounce. And here's why. Because you're a freaking perimeter player. You got all that space that you have to maneuver with the basketball. You got free space. The way they space anymore, you got to be able to shoot a three-point shot. This is what the game is. So how do you not improve that? You know, don't get me started on Ben Simmons because that's a lost cause. This kid knew exactly what his weaknesses were and never improved them. So I don't get all the ad- admiration all of a sudden from T. Stiebel and the Sixers made a mistake. Yeah, he's a good defensive player. I get it. He's a good defensive player who is unable to be on the floor late in games because he can't score. Because the other teams don't even guard them. All right. That's just my rant for Matisse Thibel today. I apologize, Matisse. 
Because I would like to hang with you at the coffee shop and discuss poetry. All right? And I won't get that chance now. You're a million miles away in Portland. And I'm not going to Portland anytime soon. All right. It is time now for, we haven't done this before, but let's do it. Uh, the category is called Headlines. Da-da-da, headlines. All right. These are some newsy items that have happened in the past day or so. Update on John Moran. Now, we talked about Ja with Stephen A. Smith, if you heard the last podcast. And uh, so Ja looks like he's going to skate out from under this because the Colorado authorities have decided not to charge him when he was sh- shown with a gun in, in a strip club, uh, which is a violation uh, 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 maybe of, of, of state law. Uh, they decided to have enough evidence to uh, bring a charge on him. Uh, the NBA, though, has a policy where uh, you're not supposed to have uh, firearms. And so um, they still might come in with a suspension. But I don't think they will because I think the Memphis Grizzlies now are taking care of it. The Memphis Grizzlies have been communicating with the league. They go, okay, we're going to keep him out for a while. You know, he's been out a couple games already. They claim He's going to be out for the next four games. The league's going to go, okay, you're taking care of it. Uh, he's a big, important guy for the league. So it looks like he skated out of this thing. And uh, so maybe there's a lesson learned from John Morant. Maybe there's not. Again, we talked about what the 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 uh, the, the, the cracks in, in the earth are for these guys to come into the league and become stars right away and make a lot of money right away. They, they have people that they hang out with, people that they trust. Those people are hangers on. And, and I'm not. Listen, I'm not criticizing you. If you want to carry your friends with you, like AI the whole time, then carry your friends with you. But you got to understand that you can't act the fool. That when these friends are looking at you, they want you to act the fool. They're expecting you to be the kingpin to do anything you want because you're famous. You got to avoid that temptation. You know, hang out with your friends. Hey, but don't wave a gun, dude. And don't take your shirt off and don't live tweet it or whatever the hell you did. Come on, you got you to have more sense than that. You know, Whatever it is. All right, so there's John. All right, number two. I have some thoughts on this. This is really interesting. Jim Behan is finally out as Syracuse coach. And he didn't say that he was out. And it didn't look like he wanted to be out. All right, they lost in the ACC tournament to Wake Forest on a three-point shot in the last second. Afterwards, when he was asked about his status, he gave this – convoluted answer about what's up to the university, blah, blah, blah. And he gave mixed messages. In other words, he wanted, he didn't want to get out of there and he got out of there dragging and kicking. And uh, so, so let me uh, uh, ferret this out. Um, I feel sorry for the guy. I, I really do. Now I dealt with him way back in the day when I covered college basketball, he was one of the most miserable people I, I've ever met, frankly. And anybody who is in the media will tell you that. Uh, that doesn't mean he wasn't a good coach. He certainly was uh, a, a very good coach. Uh, but he is living in Syracuse. And I'm thinking, uh, it, it, you know, Dana uh, O'Neill, who used to write in this area, ha- had a really interesting uh, perspective uh, about him that uh, that you, sometimes you don't want to give away your career uh, and because you don't know what you're going to do with it. It's a, it's a really hard thing. To, to, to pull away from something when you don't have any alternative. And his only alternative was to live in Syracuse. Now, I don't know if he's going to move to some tropical climate, but when you're living in Syracuse, what are you going to do? You coach. 
right? You became the kingpin of of that particular town. And so he really didn't want to give it up when he probably should have given it up a long time ago. Because the fact of the matter is, Syracuse has really declined in basketball authority. You know, they were a perennial NCAA contender. Uh, they did forge, uh, they went to the Sweet 16. I guess the last time was in 2015. Uh, he, he was responsible for building that big carrier dome and, and the excitement of Syracuse basketball. But, but he's in his 70s now. He's like late 70s. And uh, I, I know it was hard for the guy to give it up, but it was really awkward the way this whole thing happened. So after he gave that convoluted press conference, the president and the athletic director acted quickly. And they said, guess what? Adrian Autry, your assistant, is now going to be the coach. So we're taking it out of your hands. If you can't admit that it was time to go, then we're going to take it out of your hands. But I feel sorry for the guy. that It, uh, it has to end like that. Um, you know, it, it wasn't dignified. And uh, it probably should have been more dignified that the guy exited college basketball uh, that way. Uh, okay, so uh, I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking – of all the great Syracuse teams uh, in the past. And I tried to come up with the top 10, Darren, of Syracuse basketball players. So these are my top 10. And uh, I'll give you the starting lineup, and then I'll give you uh, five other guys that uh, are on the floor. And you can, you can argue with me about this, and you, if, you, you know, if you think I missed somebody, uh, uh, please feel free to interject and bring it in. Uh, so I've got... Derek Coleman, number one. Mello, number two. Even though he only played for one year, that one year was national championship. Billy Owens, Pearl Washington, and Lawrence Moten. That's my starting five for the Syracuse Orange. My bench then would include Sherman Douglas, the backup point guard, Ronnie Cycli, the backup center, Hakeem Warwick from Philadelphia as one of the forwards, John Wallace as one of the forwards, and Jerry McNamara, who was the guard on that team that won a national championship, who paired up with Carmelo Anthony. Did I miss anybody? I don't think you missed anybody. D.C. was the first one I thought of, too. Has to be. D.C. has to be. He was the number one pick in the draft, right? So, you know, that's a pretty good talent that he produced uh, at Syracuse. Definitely, definitely, it sounded like yeah, he didn't want to go, but he, he kind of had to go, and it's a shame when you hang on too long, because then uh, you, you know you lose energy in the program and your recruiting suffers and all that kind of thing. Three guys went out in the last year. You had Duke go, Jay and and Krzyzewski, Bayheim, and Jay Wright, and Jay Wright is the only one I think that went out with class. Yeah. And then Bayheim gets pushed out like this. Wright's the only one that looked good going out. Exactly. And it's a hard thing to do. Like, listen, I know about getting pushed out, okay? And, and it's not it's not fun and, and it's not dignified. But, you know, like, I got pushed out when I was at the top of my game. His program had suffered, all right? So that's the difference. Now, let me just say one little anecdote about uh, Jim Bayheim, who I squabbled with a lot, actually. He was miserable. And, and every coach that I squabbled with in that Big East was miserable. Thompson was miserable. Uh, uh, Rowley, of course, was miserable. It was a coach's league, and they, they thought they were king shit, and uh, they gave everybody a hard time. Louis Carnesecca was jolly. Bayheim was miserable. Uh, but the first time I met G- Jim Bayheim, uh, Jim Bayheim saw me naked, Darren. Do, do I want to hear the rest of this story? <laughs> Yes. All right. So I played on a, a very good high school basketball team that went to the state championship game. And uh, 
he was recruiting a guy on our team. And my, one of my teammates was named Billy Keys, a 6'6 forward. And Beheim wasn't the head coach then. So this is how far back it goes. He was the assistant coach, the chief assistant, and he was recruiting Billy Keys. And he was in our locker room after almost every game. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, walking in the shower, I look up, it's Jim Beheim. So, uh, yeah, that's my little Beheim story. Now, uh, a year later, he would get the head coaching job because the guy was a head coach was named Roy Danford. And he left to take the job at Tulane. So that was the start of Jim Beheim's career. All right. All right, let's move on to headline number three. The NCAA tournament is coming into focus. Now, it was a time where I didn't think any local team was going to get in the NCAA tournament this year. None. I've since maybe revised my opinion because Villanova now has caught fire. Uh, Justin Moore is healthy, and he's leading this team to the consecutive wins. They smashed Georgetown last night, which is no big deal, but they're playing really well. So the question is, can they win the Big East tournament and get into the NCAA tournament? And at this point, I can't rule it out. They're a hot team, and so they may be able to pull it off. Uh, but even if they don't, if they get to the championship game, maybe they get in as an at-large team. Here are two other teams that I can't believe are still alive, and I watched them both win yesterday. In fact, I should have bet both of them. I was going to bet both of them, and I pulled back at the last second. St. Joseph's. Upsets uh, Duquesne, or, or was it LaSalle that upset Duquesne? St. Joe won and LaSalle won last night in the Atlantic 10 tournament. They are still alive. Now, chances are not going to win the conference, and they're not going to get in, but they're still alive. Now, the only team that I can rule out right now is Temple because they're not going to win their conference, not with Houston in that conference tournament, and uh, so they have no chance of getting that large team. So they're definitely out, but, but get this. Rutgers and the Penn State Nittany Lions could possibly get in. The Lions, according to most of the last four ins, are in with Rutgers. So we'll see what happens. Now, of course, I love NCAA tournament time, not only because we go through our pools at work, but also because teams that we've never heard of sometimes get in, and it's a delightful story. Like the story of Kennesaw State. Uh, now, Darren, do you know where Kennesaw State is? No fathomly idea where Kennesaw State is. Kennesaw State is a university that is uh, about 15 miles outside of Atlanta. Uh, their main campus is in that town, which I forget what the name I think it's called Kennesaw. But they also have some branch campuses. So they basically, with their branch campuses in Georgia, they have 42,000 students, which is pretty, pretty hefty uh, an amount of students to have. They clinched an NCAA tournament bid by winning the Atlantic Sun Conference by beating Liberty. Now, we know Liberty. We've heard of Liberty before. They've been in the NCAA tournament. Plus, uh, you know, one of the quarterbacks in the league, Malik Willis, uh, went, to, went to Liberty. Uh, and so Liberty, I mean, excuse me, uh, Kennesaw State has rebuilt their program in three years. They were 1-28 in three years ago. They have a coach down there that, that did a good enough job to get this team to win their conference, and they're in – the NCAA tournament. Now, um, their mascot is Scrappy the Owl. Okay? It's for, for people that, that don't know anything about this. And the Atlantic Sun. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody who's listening to this podcast. Go ahead. I'll give you 10 seconds to name two other teams in the Atlantic Sun. I already gave you one of them. Liberty. So, name one other team in the Atlantic Sun Conference. 
Darren, I'll give you 10 seconds. It's an Eastern. Is it Eastern Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, here are the teams in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Uh, Austin Pay. Well, you heard of them, right? Oh, yeah. Bellarmine. Central Arkansas. Eastern Kentucky. Florida Gulf Coast. Coached by my man Pat Chambers. Uh, Delco kid who was the head coach of Penn State for a while. He's now at that Florida Gulf Coast. Jacksonville. Famous uh, Jacksonville uh, grad. Darren? Uh, not one. Go ahead. Hall of Famer, NBA Hall of Famer, Artist Gilmore. Um, there's Jacksonville State. There's Liberty, Lipscomb, and North Alabama, North Florida, Queens University, which is in Charlotte, and Stetson. All right. All right. There you go. That's your Kennesaw State. So good luck to the Fighting Owls of Kennesaw State. I'm going to pick you as an upset winner in the tournament. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Mike Unleashed. I got some things to say in Mike Unleashed. Let's first go with Tiger Woods. All right, now, we all know Tiger has had a checkered history with women. In fact, Tiger's, you know, he's been all over the map. He, he's been in a lot of relationships that, for one reason or another, uh, haven't worked out because uh, he has uh, got his hand caught in a cookie jar. Uh, as we like to say, where he's kind of two-timing. Uh, his last high-profile uh, girlfriend, of course, was Lindsey Vaughn. That ended uh, poorly. And uh, so the big thing with Tiger Woods is that he finally found a normal woman that uh, would enable him to have a normal relationship instead of this wild, crazy sex romp. And her name was uh, Erica Herman. She was a manager in one of uh, his restaurants in Florida. And everybody said, well, he finally settled down. And I go, this girl's got a shelf life of about five years with this dude because eventually he's going to go for the, for the higher price talent. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's just one of those type of guys that's going to get pulled away by a, a fairly more attractive woman. That's, that's what his M.O. has been. So as it turns out, all of a sudden, Erica Herman is, is out of the, uh, the realm of Tigerland. And... Um, he had her sign a non-disclosure agreement, Darren, when they first got involved in their relationship. First of all, your opinion of that. First of all, I don't know. Is that is that where it coming from, like, his manager? Like, you got to have these women sign NDAs. Assume that so they, they, they couldn't embarrass him or harm his career anymore. I don't see how any woman gets involved when she has to sign an NDA. Can you? Okay. Well, she signed the NDA, but she's saying it's invalid and enforceable. Because there's a federal law out there called the Speak Out Act that prevents the enforcement of non-disclosure agreements in instances of sexual assault and harassment. She is claiming that she was sexually assaulted and harassed by Tiger, and she wants to go into court. He's saying, no, 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 sorry, we have a non-disclosure agreement. And she's saying this law... Pre, uh, prevent pre, prohibits her from uh, adhering to the non-disclosure agreement, and she's going to take it in court. But the bottom line here is, I have to laugh at this, because there was this notion that Tiger had calmed down, and he finally found the one. <laughs> so, I guess it's the Tiger. Knock yourself out. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people uh, like to see you participate in tournaments. He is not playing in the Players' Championship this week. Uh, but uh, he uh, wants to play uh, in the Masters, obviously. So uh, we'll see. You know, it's funny about this because the, the golf media is so in love with Tiger that they, they won't mention a whit of this. 
<laughs> I always find it interesting because he's such a tyrant when it comes to bad press. That anybody who gives him bad press, he finds a way to get back at him. He's just that type of dude. Uh, if you're this girl's friend, though, right? Let's just say you know this girl, right? And she's a buddy of yours. Like, isn't the first thing you're saying to her, look at his past. What are you doing getting involved with a guy with this kind he's of He's Tiger Woods. His, it's fame and fortune. There's no woman that's going to skip the chance to be in that world. I don't know. Is it worth it? And besides that, she, she's normal, and she thinks because she's normal, he's now going to become normal. Right. She's going to go from restaurant manager to golf heiress. I get it. The fairy tale. Well, well yeah, whatever. You never know where love – love is always lurking around the corner. You can never predict it. Okay. Let's move on to number two topic in Mike Unleashed for today. Sean Kemp. Uh, Sean Kemp was arrested for participating in a drive-by shooting last night. Um, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> I Sean Kemp has been a really interesting um, figure uh, for many years in, in the NBA, not only because of his uh, athletic prowess. I mean, he was a monster dunker. He was in a dunk contest. I mean, he was ferocious and a pretty good player. Uh, but uh, what is the first thing you think of when you think of Sean Kemp? Uh, what's he have? 26, 27 kids? How many kids does he have? <laughs> See, that, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. He has seven kids by six different women in his heyday, like when he was playing ball. Uh, and, and that's always the thing that's going to follow him. It's probably unfair. But what I think of Sean Kemp, I don't think of the basketball playing Sean Kemp. I think of Sean Kemp with 100 kids. And now he's involved in, in a drive-by like those dudes that, try, that, that zipped Ricky in the alley in Boys in the Hood. Oh, <laughs> Look, Seven girl, seven kids with six different women. Ruined Ricky's career, Darren. Boys in the Hood, cause great movie, classic. Ricky was headed to USC. Trey went the right way in the alley, and Ricky went right into it. It's a bad deal for Ricky. I cried. I wanted to see Ricky become Marcus Allen. Uh, last thing we do on Mike Unleashed. Leonard Skinner, the last surviving member of Leonard Skinner, Gary Rossington, died. So there are no more members of the Southern Rock Band Leonard Skinner. Um... I, I don't mean to laugh here. But Gary Rossington, by the way, wrote Sweet Home Alabama, where the skies all are blue. And in that song, he introduced the beef. That was the first rock beef I ever heard that Leonard Skinner beefed with Neil Young. Because in that Sweet Home Alabama, the lyric is, uh, uh, Neil Young should remember, a Southern man don't need him around anyhow. Because Neil Young wrote that song, Southern Man. Uh, which was a, a shot at slavery and, and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought of uh, Leonard Skinner as the, the slavery band. Is that unfair? Uh, yeah, it's a li- I think a little unfair. Because yeah, a lot of people like Skinner, but they were so intertwined with the rebel flag and this deep South and slavery that I, you know, I, I couldn't. The, the, their fans are, were the, those types of people that were into them. I don't know that they really – you know, perpetuated it. Well, they, listen, they, they fostered it. They put up the rebel flag at every concert they played. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right. So that's Mike Unleashed for today. As We're just batting all around on a, on a leisurely Thursday. Uh, so now it is time for three questions for Mikey Miss. Three questions for Mikey Miss. Mike, we had Stephen A. Smith on this week. He's very admired throughout the uh, – he's maybe the top sports personality uh, in the country right now working 
Who's the most admirable? Sports news, really. Who's the most admirable media person to you of your life? Well, you know, uh, I always thought the stately news guys, you know, they, they, they've kind of diluted. They're, they're, they're gone. There were only three networks back then, and you're talking about the Peter Jennings and the uh, uh, Tom Brokaws and the Dan Rathers who would come into your living room uh, every night. Uh, I had great respect for those guys because they were, they were classy. They, they were sophisticated and classy. You know, like Jennings was class personified. Uh, Brokaw was a little more homey. Uh, and Dan Rather was ultra serious. But I, I think that Jennings was my favorite of all time. It was something about his style that I really liked. And if I'm going to go to sports, you know, I'm not impressed by that many people in sports uh, who bring you play by play. And, uh, but I, you know, I go with the venerable guys. Like Al Michaels is just a classic guy. Um, and uh, I admired his delivery. I think now he's a little bored and it's coming off that way. It's a shame because his reputation is kind of being tainted now because he, he kind of comes off as bored with bad football games. He's being true to himself, but I don't know if you can do that on TV. But I liked Al. And here's a guy I really like. I know a lot of guys don't. I don't know why, but Jim Nance to me is excellent. Uh, I love him on NCAA games. I love him on golf. I, uh, there's not a thing I don't like about Jim Nance, except that he got all carried away and he's got his own clothing line out there right now. So, but but other than that, I think Jim Nance is pretty cool. How about you? That's a great answer. I love Nance. How many guys can do college basketball, football, and golf and do all three of them really good, really well? Yes. All right. So question number two. Second question, Mike. Tournament time. Is there a local school? Is it a big five school? Is it another one in the area? There you your heart kind of is drawn to this time of year. You want to see them in the tournament. You want to see them break out and do well. Well, it would not be Villanova. <laughs> but but it but it would be Temple. See, I'm more of a man of the people. And uh the reason why Villanova doesn't get the full acceptance in in this area is because they're they're not a university of the people. Uh uh, and it doesn't matter they're on the main line. It's still a Philadelphia school. But they have this air about them that's not – that people don't gravitate to. The only people that are associated with Villanova go to Villanova gravitate to that. And I guess I would too. I'd, I'd feel haughty about Villanova if I was a Villanova guy. I always felt like when I went to Villanova to watch a basketball game, right, there was the, the smell of bad man cologne. <laughs> You know, it's like, like the, the, the new money Nova grads that can afford those tickets, they all wear uh, – like bad man cologne. But to answer your question, it's Temple. I, I can relate more with Temple's mission and what they want to do. And, of course, I go way back in covering uh, the college basketball when Temple, well, my first year covering college basketball was the year Temple was number one in the nation. It was a thrill that year that they, that, that school was number one in the nation, and they had almost the perfect team. They only had five guys, but they were the perfect team, a perfect machine-like team coached by a great man who I got to know uh, intimately, John Chaney, uh, and so I have always pulled for Temple to succeed. Uh, and I think it's a shame that they don't. They've got kind of the makings of a, 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 a program that should succeed. They've got a nice building. Uh, they should, you know, as an urban school, be, be able to recruit good players. Uh, and it just hasn't t- taken hold. And I really like Aaron McKee a lot. I go way back with Aaron as well. Uh, I, I did actually the first the newspaper story on him. He the year he was sitting out at Prop 48, I, I went to, uh, I hung out with him and we got into his background. We went where he was brought up and all that stuff. I love the sociological stories. So I like Aaron McKee a lot. And, and I don't know if he's going to hold on to his job, which is a shame because I, I thought that, uh, you know, that he was going to be able to build something. The problem with, is probably the kids don't know who he is at this point. 
You know, he he was a pro player. I don't think the kids he's recruiting really know who he is unless he brings Allen Iverson along with him, and, and then they, they would know who he is. So, uh, yeah, Temple is the school uh, I would pull for. And, quite, listen, it's it's easy to pull for the smaller schools. Like, you pull for St. Joe's and you pull for LaSalle. But the, the, the fact of the matter is those schools really can't be viable anymore. They can't get on a recruiting level to to recruit enough good players to, to really compete for uh, some lofty goal. Question number three. Here we go, Mike. They're all gone. It's over. Every member of Leonard Skinner has now passed on. Give me your favorite one iconic Leonard Skinner song. <laughs> well, yeah, there is one iconic song. It's not Sweet Home Alabama. It's, it's the one and only. And I'll tell a little story on what I mean by that. Uh, I was hanging out in a bar once. And I uh, overheard a conversation. I'm good at eavesdropping on conversations with other people. I like to hear what people are talking about. And these two dudes, and they were dudes. They were like uh, backwards hat, uh, dirty T-shirt guys. And um, there's not there's anything wrong with that. And so I'm eavesdropping on a conversation, and it, it occurs to me that they're talking about a recent Leonard Skinner concert that was at the Spectrum, I believe. And so I'm horning in a conversation. The guy's really serious. He's really overly dramatic. He's gone, dude, you can't believe it, man. He goes, you know, we've been waiting for it all concert long. And I'm, you know, I'm grooving to, to Skinner the whole night. But uh, I'm telling you that, that all of a sudden now, dude, the lights go down. The lights go down. And only one beam is coming out of the sky, dude. And it's focused right on stage on a guitar. And all of a sudden, yes, I heard it. The anthem. Free bird. <laughs> so there it is. It's Free Bird is the most iconic Leonard Skinner song of all time. There you go. That's three questions for Mikey Miss today. All right. Uh, today's parting shot, and it's uh, parting is always such sweet sorrow. And we say uh, good night, good day until it is tomorrow, or something like that. So I'm a little wary on my Shakespeare right now. However, my party shot today, and it just happened to me. You know, I was out on the road early this morning, and I had to get petrol. Uh, I was in Delaware, actually, and, and it was three twenty nine, which is a pretty good price. So, yeah, so I, I, uh, I'm filling my tank. And it occurred to me that I kind of have an addiction to gas station snacks and food. And uh, when I go into places like that, I always have a hankering to get a gas station hot dog. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I get to, I go, oh, I'm here. I might as well get the hot. I love the hot dogs that are on those rollers. And uh, here's, here's the only problem with the hot dog. It's always a quality hot dog, by the way. And you can't beat it for two bucks, right? You slather anything you want on it. I love gas station hot dogs. The buns are always stale, though. And now they, they put the buns now because they have to put the buns in the wrappers. Now they can't. They used to have the pack out. It was a fresh pack that they would open and the roll would be fresh. But now these rolls have been in these sealed uh, co- those, uh, containers, these uh, cellophane things, and they're stale. I can never get a fresh roll. However, um, I am a gas station or a 7-Eleven guy where I have to get stuff. And um, I'm a big fan of the 7-Eleven burrito. That you put in the microwave, and, and and listen, man, I'm a foodie, right? But I, I have my my spinoffs, and I every time I go to a gas station that's a mini mart, this happened to be a Circle K, I go, they must have a good hot dog in there, and I and I get the hot dog, and I tried to trace this in my life on why I have an affection for that kind of crap food, 
And I think it goes back to when I was uh, 17 or 18 years old. When uh, being raised in Bristol, Pennsylvania, we were only a, a, a nickel bridge toll from New Jersey. And if you remember back in the day, Jersey had a lower drinking age than Pennsylvania. So, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of us, we'd get in the car, we'd roll over to Jersey and, and go into a bar. And we, we'd have a couple pops. And uh, when you have a couple pops late at night, you get a, a hankering for greasy protein. It happens to everybody. You, you're drunk, you get something. So we used to go to this jack-in-a-box in Burlington, New Jersey, which had the greasiest tacos ever. And uh, I kind of got used to, after drinking, greasy taco. It was like a part, rite of passage. You had to have it to settle your stomach. So I think all those years, that has made me affectionate for gas station food. Now, is that weird? I love it makes you weird. It, it makes you weird that you still carry that routine a bit. <laughs> a man of my sophistication should not be eating gas station hot dogs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really weird thing. I, I, I've tried to through therapy examine this about myself, uh, but uh, I have to have a gas station hot dog. And, and believe it or not, one day when I, this is recently, I was coming back late from somewhere, and there's this gas station just to like the block of, of my street. And I go, you know, I'm in the mood for a gas station hamburger. Oh my god! <laughs> so <laughs> I got the. So I get the hamburger. I'm thinking this is cheap food, right? And it's nobody else is open. And the hamburger, I, 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 I bring it up to the counter. The guy goes, that'll be eight seventy five. I go, what? That's a gas station hamburger. He goes, yeah, it's an eight seventy five. I go, well, guess what? I'm not getting it. So I turned it down. But in the past, I have gotten the gas station hamburger. What's a good gas station price? Gas station hamburger is a $5 max. Any, anything over five, you start to get six and above, I'm out. For a gas station hamburger. I mean, come on. All right. Anyway, that'll do it for today. We appreciate you guys listening to this. Uh, just kind of an all over the place show. So we uh, hope you appreciate it and had a few laughs on it. Uh, you can email me at Mike at MikeMiss.com. I love emails. I'll read them on the air if you got a poignant point. And I uh, always take a lot of feedback on the show. Uh, check me out on Twitter, which is MikeMiss25 on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, to, I got a, a children's book out there called The, the Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Next week, I'll be uh, going to another elementary school class to read the book to a, a class in the city of Philadelphia. I'm looking forward to that. Check out the book. It's about, uh, written about my dog in her words, but through my head. And uh, and if you you like the boutique wineries, uh, check out the winery that I'm part of. It's called Natalie Vineyards in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. And also... Uh, I can, if you need a shout out from me, just go to Cameo. I'm doing I mean, all kinds of things here. Cameo, I'll give you a personalized shout out. Cameo.com, C A M E O. And uh, also, uh, what else do I have going? Uh, I guess something else. Go- oh, speaking of game, go to my website, MikeMiss.com. And uh, I'm, I'm gl- I'd be happy to get out and, and, uh, and speak. I love speaking to, to big groups. So if you're in need of a speaker, uh, consider me. Uh, I'll, I'll entertain you and uh, inform you. We are headed tomorrow, Darren and I, to Clearwater, Florida, to hook up with the Phillies camp and uh, hopefully get you some uh, really interesting interviews for next week. We appreciate everybody listening. It's the Mike Missinelli Podcast. Tell your friends and neighbors you can subscribe for free uh, on the uh, Bet Rivers Network. We appreciate it. I'm Mike Miss. Have a great rest of the day. I'm out. 
Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.